the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 327. That's a fair few episodes. I believe. It's a little bit hard to uh, a little bit hard to keep up with the numbers, but I think that's where we've landed. Uh, mental. I'm Paul Spain. Nate Dunn. Welcome along, Nate. Good to have you back on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Thanks, thanks for having me. It is certainly a lot more sophisticated than what I remember last time. Well, we are, we are streaming live to Facebook and for uh, for our usual audience, and, and most people will just l- listen in through whatever their favourite podcast app is, uh, we are starting from time to time to do, uh, to do video streams, and they tend to be sometime around the sort of 5pm to 6pm um, mark on a, uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so if anyone wants to, uh, wants to hook in and capture those video streams, uh, facebook.com. Uh, slash Paul Spain. I tend to share them there, or also uh, the main feed is usually coming directly from our New Zealand Tech Podcast, which is facebook.com slash NZ Tech Podcast. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. N- now, Nate, maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into this world of uh, technology in New Zealand. Fair enough. So, I'm one of two directors of a company called 3Bit. So, we're a software company based um, out of Newmarket. So, we do a lot of zero stuff and a lot of other custom work. Uh, also, I'm just Nate on Twitter, which tends to excite a lot of people in the social media space. Uh, moderator on GeekZone. Uh, yeah, lots of things. So I've been in this industry a fair few years. So And been on the podcast many, uh, uh, yeah, many times I should really count. Over, over many years. Yep. Yeah, fair yep. few. So always good to have you on the show. Uh, a little bit of a, a, a background on uh, on me for those who are new to the show. Uh, been hosting this show uh, involved since uh, well about six uh, six years or so, um, and I'm the founder at uh, Gorilla Technology and also Gorilla Voice, which is who uh, who publishes this podcast and and others on our two podcast networks at the moment, uh, Podcast New Zealand and WorldPodcasts.com, which we which we've sort of have officially launched last week with our new uh, podcasts. And uh, we might mention those again, uh, or the detail on those at the end of this episode. Uh, but let's get straight in. Now, first topic today, um, of course, lots of people will be listening to this podcast through uh, a mobile device. In fact, the large majority will be. Those who are using an Apple device um, more than likely will um, have received via download the new version of uh, Apple's iOS 10.3, which as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, has has started rolling out to to devices. Uh, This is coming to... uh uh, iPads, iPhones, iPods, uh, Apple Watch, and there, there's a couple of things to be aware of with this. That I guess there's a lot of uh, behind the scenes work that's gone in in terms of changes, and the big changes around the Apple file system, um, which is being replaced uh, with Apple's new, um, well, their new new file system. So. Uh, um, APFS, uh, which replaces their old uh, their old hierarchical file system, which has been around for over thirty years. Um, so the thing to be aware of, because the file system is actually changing, and for it to go through and do that update, it can take quite a while, depending on uh, on which. 
uh, exactly you know which device you have and um, a number of other factors there so not uncommon I think for some devices to take uh, more than 30 minutes I've heard mention of uh, of of an hour uh, plus in some cases so just be aware of that if your update hasn't uh, hasn't come down and installed itself uh, overnight uh, be be a little bit picky around when you uh, when you install that because if you need your device five minutes after you run the update you're uh, you may be somewhat disappointed i'm not a big apple user but can you set it up to upgrade like could you set it up to upgrade overnight or do you have to sort of click a button? You know, the yeah. Of- so, so you've got you've got some settings now, and most um, operating systems, I guess, are, uh, are giving us um, some options around the uh, the auto updates. Now, I'm going to actually go in and have a look because I use so many different devices, I forget exactly which vendor does exactly uh, what mechanism. Um, I think it was probably Microsoft that started it out with um, being able to do updates at a particular uh, time of day to auto-install overnight. But mm. um, that sort of thing is is becoming um, yeah, very, very much uh, the norm. There's actually a whole bunch of other updates um, included within this 10.3. Uh, I'm quite interested in what they're doing with uh, with CarPlay. So there's a few little bits and pieces in there. So for those who don't know what CarPlay is, that's where um, either the car you've purchased or um, a car which you've upgraded the um, the stereo uh, head deck in uh, has Apple CarPlay technology, and that basically uh, it's a bit of a step up from just mirroring the screen of your iPhone, but it, but it takes um, key elements off your iPhone screen and and, and puts them up there um, on the on the dash type uh, view, and it, and it's incredibly helpful, yeah, particularly for things like uh, navigation where your where your maps come up um, and makes it easy to um, easy to listen to podcasts and uh, take calls and uh, navigation and chop and change between all of those on, on a nice big screen. Um, but there's updates uh, across um, um, Siri and, and iPhone. Uh, there's an update that makes it easier for you to track the um, last known location of your AirPods, which would have been quite useful to me uh, recently when I lost one of my AirPods. Um, have you already have you already? Lo- How did you lose it? Just were you walking through somewhere and just dropped it? Um, I was in Philippines and I was on a, uh, I was on a Skype call and then I had to meet somebody and jump into a blimmer vehicle and um, uh, somewhere and just trying to yeah hang that up and that's where I'm thinking I've missed this somehow dropped one can you um, if you lose one can you continue to use the one you still have yeah you or can, they don't you, you can and i think you can or even order an individual uh unit to replace you don't have to reorder the whole so thing to start from scratch. Um, and the funny thing is they'll i've mostly just been if i've been using it i've been using just in one ear mm. um and the one i lost was from the other ear which is still quite bizarre to me so it's not like it fell out of my ear or anything yeah. was i think you know just bumping as i was probably putting it back into the container and it fell out and in the vehicle it's uh, gone forever donated to the philippines yeah so uh so yeah but probably not much use um just on its own but there you go so um so new stuff happening there on um 
on iPhone. Now, other bits and pieces of uh, of technology uh, news. We're, we're also going to chat through um, what Huawei in Auckland about robot deliveries, uh, messaging providers, and the fact that they're um, they're getting from the UK government, and just sort of, I guess, chatting through some of the some of the realities and and opinions on uh, whether governments should be able to get access to encrypted messaging or not. Uh, that was a, a topic I was discussing on um, on the project last night on on TV3. So we'll uh, we'll dive into maybe a little bit more depth of discussion there. Uh, and Samsung comes up in the news again. Their uh, their Note Seven. We're going to talk about that because they're uh, they're doing something interesting there with all the no- the millions of Note Sevens that were returned. And then there's the uh, Samsung Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus that are uh, are launching this week. So we'll we'll dive in on that. But let's talk about the um, the idea of robot deliveries. Nate, what do you think? Um, around the idea of of being able to have goods delivered by robot versus I mean we've heard a lot about drone deliveries but yeah. practically we're not seeing that uh, that really happening to any great extent I think you know most situations have been very much um, PR uh, engineered yeah yeah they're for publicity and so on there, there doesn't seem to be you know there, there are quite a few challenges to make that happen yeah um, uh, I guess some sort of self-navigating uh, robotic device that can sort of drive to your home, maybe you know, not too far a distance. Especially some of the smaller ones that have been demonst- demonstrated uh, could be quite practical. And what we've heard is there are now uh, this month we've had uh, both Virginia and Idaho, uh, both states in the U, two states in the US, um, have basically uh, passed legislation that that permits this idea of um, unmanned. Uh, ground-based um, delivery robots that would, uh, you know, maybe wander along a, a footpath and uh, and deliver things. And uh, who was it? I think it was uh, Domino's. Again, a, you know, maybe something of a publicity uh, stunt. Uh, you know, doing some demonstrations of they, a they did a, demo of here, a ro- robotic uh, pizza delivery, and they've yeah, also yeah. done the one with the drones. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I how practical do you think that is? Is it something that would um, uh, you know, makes a lot of a lot of sense to you. I just it sounds incredibly complicated. Like, <laughs> there, <laughs> I think it just comes back to my my ideas around when you see you know Tesla's doing uh, the autonomous cars, Google's getting into that. Um, it's it's not easy to do, and unless it's following like a a straight path, if it comes across an obstacle or anything like, that, I just think it's it's so difficult. The technology's going to get there, but it's still in its infancy. And I did have a good laugh when was it Domino's or Hell's Pizza or one of the pizza places did the delivery by drone. Domino's. Uh, yeah. They said, "Oh, look, it's the world's first delivery." And it's like, well, you know, the, I think the legislation that came out just before that had happened was that you're not allowed to fly over anyone's property unless you had permission. So, it is they couldn't do it because they'd have to follow the roads, and then yeah. So it was a huge PR stunt that I think a lot of people just the practicalities of it just never dawned on people. Um, I think we are going to get to this stage, and I, I think people go, oh, "It was so weird that you know back in your day, um, deliveries were done with a, a man in a van." Um, but I just think there's so it's so complicated, and it's and that the article that um, you know we're we're quoting talks about how it's that last mile is the really difficult part is trying to get the goods quickly to the consumer. Mm. Um, 
Well, there's there's some interesting delivery services. I mean, we talked about Uber Eats here uh, recently, which has launched uh, launched in New Zealand. Um, Uber Eats, I think the other night, I think it was two Fridays ago, where we had that really, really bad, you know, weather was pouring down. That's, in my head, that's when Uber Eats should be smashing the ads going, it's really wet outside, we could bring you your food. And you don't have to stick with your, you know, your pizza or your tie or whatever the, the other places you have. You can get a whole range of things. Well, it's a very small uh, area of New Zealand that gets it right now. So it's basically you've got to be in central Auckland. I was going to say it's my area in, so in order to get it. So yeah, that's that, that's exciting for you, Nate. Um, <laughs> but no one else. Now a couple of services in New Zealand, and, we, and we've got a similar a similar one to these who's who's. Name may or may not come back to me during the podcast. We have interviewed the founder, um, but there's a service in the US called Postmates and another one called DoorDash, yeah. and these uh, we use an app basically to choose a a product and have it uh, delivered to you. Yes. And it has got similarities to Uber Eats in that they can deliver food, but they could also go down to um, the warehouse and pick up, you know, buy a product for you and and bring it back to you, and you basically just get billed for the whole lot. Mm. So if you know you want ABC at you know whatever store, uh, then it can, those services can take uh, you know take care of that whole process. With this, um, apparently they've they've been testing some uh, some robots in um, uh, Washington D.C. and in uh, and in California along these lines. Then uh, you could order something from one of those. Uh, um, retailers that uh, that that DoorDash um, or Postmates work with, and they would go and pick it up and uh, and deliver that in theory via the robot. But I think this stuff's still somewhat early uh, early stages. But most of the technology is there, and I guess something that runs along at quite a slow pace on the footpath is uh, is con- you know considerably safer than. Uh, than some of the vehicle type scenarios, certainly from a from a mindset perspective. Anyway, we probably, it's a lot safer. Than we, prob- a, we probably feel that that it's a lot safer. Anyway, it's a lot safer than a drone flying overhead. Well, certainly if the drone's going to fall out of the sky, that's the one. Okay, so um, yep, more robotics. It's, I mean, that stuff's just going to keep happening, isn't do, it? Do we know why it's? It seems Idaho and Virginia. It seems. Do we know why it was those two states? Well, like, just, I, I guess it, well come, it, it comes down to who's lobbying. It comes down to who the, um, you know, I, I guess, yeah, who, where, where people are pushing and where the, um, I guess, the, the political environment is uh, is ready for it and keen to try stuff out. But I get what you're, what you're, you're suggesting. You'd expect it would be a, a more uh, for, forward, forward thinking California, uh, Texas. State. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah, to Idaho yeah. and it's, I remember on the flight up there, I, I've got a friend who lives in that state and even he was surprised that me as a tourist would be going there. It's not. Yeah. Very well known outside itself. Yeah. I think its yeah. main stables might be agricultural or something like that. So yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I find it quite surprising that they're one of the ones. But yeah, who knows? Leading the way in uh, in robotics. Yeah, in robotics um, and technology. Now on to on to another subject. Um, the London uh, terrorist apparently sent uh, was using WhatsApp and you know right up until uh, just and, before it wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and until um, the situation where you know people were were, were were mown down and so on and so this has created um, a a real pushback from uh, from the home secretary in the in the UK uh, saying that it's you know it's completely unacceptable that uh, you know whatsapp um, should be allowing or enabling terrorists to communicate 
and secret whereby, uh, you know, police and and uh, uh, the spooks and so on can't listen in on these uh, these messages. Now, I'm keen for your thoughts on it, Nate, but, you know, we've got a situation where we've got encrypted uh, encrypted and secure messaging on one side or as, as one mechanism, but there's also traditional you know, text messaging and so on. Mm. And, you know, of course, with text messages... Police are routinely using these to, to you know, solve murders and uh, solve and, and, and stop crimes happening um, or to catch those that have been involved in, in varying ways, sometimes with, with quite long-term uh, processes. Now, any criminal that's still using text messages... Um, it's very silly. ...is maybe not the smartest of no. criminals. And so, you know... That sort of uh, situation, you know, I would imagine is going to really drop off for those who haven't figured it out already. And I guess most of the situations we've seen in the media uh, recently where there there have been uh, murders and and I think drug crimes, maybe I'm not so sure about any particular sort of violence situations outside of those two scenarios, but... um, we, you know, we certainly hear about them quite regularly in the media. I imagine that's really going to start dropping off now. There, there. I think there is a genuine, you know, concern there from um, from the the law and order side around. Hey, if if we can't do this, then there are people that will get away with murder. They will get away with all sorts of things. Terrorism obviously is um, at the extreme end of the case because it can involve a lot more deaths and there have been certainly scenarios in the past where um, you know security services have managed to get wind of what's going on and address those things before they've happened how do you feel about this I mean should should we um, be at all comfortable about uh, allowing our encrypted messaging to be Accessed because I mean, it certainly seems like the tech companies are very much saying no. We will not allow anyone access to our encrypted uh, messages. This, you know, if you go down a track of using an encrypted messaging uh, mechanism, then uh, then that's private and it's just for you and your recipient, and that's it. I think it's. Uh, I think people don't have a, an understanding of how the technology works, which is where it's not WhatsApp don't want to provide the information, but it's the, the way that the encryption is set up between the devices and their servers. The the phones have, in essence, what's called a, a private key, which is what uses to encrypt the data, and then all that WhatsApp have is a public key. So even if you said to WhatsApp, look, we are going to sue you into oblivion where you will be bankrupt, WhatsApp can hand on their heart say, look, we're not able to get it because it's stored on the user's handset. And so it would be a complete change and I think there's a similar argument came up when um, they, the Americans had that Apple device from one of the I can't remember the exact terrorism um, yeah, this, 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 was, this was last year. Where it yeah. was locked. And yeah. they said, look, we need Apple to provide, in essence, a backdoor to um, the iPhone so that they could get access to it, um, which they didn't end up needing because they, they worked out some other way around it. But the thing with encryption is that it's not, you know, we can't just flick it on and off on a switch. If, if you provide a backdoor, there's no way... You know, if someone accidentally leaves that particular piece of software on a desktop and then someone else copies it to a USB drive, once it's out in the wild, it's gone. Or whatever and, mechanism, or however yeah, whatever, it gets out there. Whatever right, it is, there's, there's no risk. way to keep it from getting into the hands of someone that shouldn't have. And so 
it is a difficult argument. I remember we were discussing this just before we started that, you know, if it was your father that was the, the policeman that was killed, you know, your um, your response to this was going to be, like, encryption's bad. We need to see what exactly what's going back and forward, back and forward. But if you're having communications with, you know, I'm doing um, proprietary work with your um, particular company and I, I don't want those secrets to get out because it's a very um, uh, proprietary technology or, or whatever, or very private conversations, um, in, in that essence, I do want encryption. So... I don't know. It's a difficult thing. I think encryption's good, um, but it's whether my privacy with what I'm doing is overridden by the fact that I could be walking down the street and so, and I get mowed down or someone I love gets mowed down because the spy agencies weren't able to intercept it in time. And how much... I mean, there's a couple of things. One is how many lives would it save? Yeah. And, and looking at the, the US as an example, something like 30,000 people a year are dying there on the roads. Mm. The number that have been... Um, you know that are dying and so on through issues that might be solved through you know allowing uh, police and security you know I guess you know the broader law enforcement um, forces to uh, have access to this is pretty much unknown but um, yeah you imagine it's a it would probably be a drop in the bucket compared to that but I guess with police losing access to um, to text messaging because people will move off text messaging, yeah. maybe that will become a more of a, more of an issue in the future. But um, looking back at the privacy perspective, how much privacy do we have now? Right, you you know you go on a you go on a websites and you're getting you know tracked left, right, and centre on one form or or another. Uh, you access just you know standard standard news sites in New Zealand. And they are obtaining your, um, you know, basically your GPS coordinates for where you are, um, and tag that together with all the other data that they're collecting uh, is somewhat scary. UK, well, there's video cameras kind of everywhere in the UK. So, what is your privacy there? So, I, I don't know. This is a, it's a real can of worms, and uh, you know, I know that that there are, you know, uh, uh, there's a there's a really big um, sort of. Um, move to encrypted communications and and complete privacy of messaging um but but i you know i see that there's really are two sides to this argument and i and i'm maybe not as as uh as convinced as as some around yeah whether how hard line we should be on this but i think it's something we just have to watch over the coming years and and see uh what the you know what the downsides are yeah. and um and you know we we probably have to weigh up again in a few years if uh, if we've got massive crime waves coming through uh then that could um that could change the picture a little bit right the crazy thing going back to the text messaging and phone call um analogy that you had before is i i sat on a, a court case as a juror a few years back and I had no idea that the ability that the police had um, with a search warrant, this wasn't them just, you know, randomly snooping on phone calls, but we were able to listen to, you know, the phone call in crystal clear quality. Um, we had information about where the phone call was made, where it was received, and the text messaging, we had full details of when it was sent, who it was sent to and everything. And I, I suppose that was, at the time, it was a real eye-opener for me because I knew that you could get that sort of thing but had no idea... And so we're listening to these phone calls that the um, the defendant um, had made back and forth, as though you know we were party to those phone calls, even though they were made a few years back. So, yeah, it is uh, it is scary to to know what is capable with a, a search warrant, what the the police are able to retrieve. So, mm, mm. yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, a few other bits of uh, bits of news. Um, 
NBR reporting that a um, that a uh, a um, a fo- that there's some information that's come come through that suggesting two degrees might have finally uh, finally made a profit, which is um, um, somewhat fascinating. It is. Um, I was reading it because just I guess we've been questioned whether two degrees is our third mobile carrier that you know come in yep. undercut the others low priced, whether. Um, or how how long it might take them to um, to make a profit? I was reading in that the um, they talked about it was released. Was it the Toronto Stock Exchange or something along those lines? Where it's a little bit hard to interpret because it's um, it is done in US dollars. Mm. I think it said so. Mm. There's also you know currency fluctuation there. Um, they talked about how the um, fixed broadband customers have got their you know streets behind the the top two being um, Spark and, and Vodafone. Um, yeah, interesting interesting times, I think. It also talked about how um, a lot of their um, SIM card connections are the very, you know, very low-end, sort of low-spend. So they've got a, a, a huge amount of those people and not a lot of um, fixed, more profitable contracts. So, Yeah, I mean, they're certainly uh, working, working very hard to continue to grow their, uh, their base of customers and... Uh, you know, I, I guess uh, move up the food chain to uh, to more high value business customers. Um, the other story that's been rather interesting, um, Team Talk. We know we're um, subject to such a good story. <laughs> um, some some pretty interesting moves over over the last few weeks. So first of all, um, you know, Spark had basically. Um, it was like Spark had them lined up. Like Spark's like, "Yep, yeah, we're gonna go for you." Launched launched um, a a, ta- a takeover bid um, that uh, Team Talk were were not happy about. No, um, and and felt that it was um, was under undercutting what they believe the you know the the uh, value uh, you know potential was for the business. And um, then we've now uh, heard that. Uh, Team Talk and Vodafone have been uh, have been talking, and now uh, Team Talk shareholders are going to vote on a plan uh, for Team Talk to sell a controlling stake uh, in their farm side internet services provider to Vodafone New Zealand, um, which looks uh, looks pretty interesting actually, and this um, arrangement will will really. Um, you know, give basically blocks uh, blocks uh, Spark and uh, puts Vodafone in a uh, in a position, I guess, to um, uh, to be the to be the winner out of our you know our two biggest telcos uh, here with getting getting access to this uh, this uh, you know series of of assets that um, uh, exist there in uh, in in Farmside, which it's- is. Uh, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? It's such a good read because it's like Spark was going to reach to the to the cupboard to grab them, and then just at the last minute, Vodafone you know appears out of the darkness and snatches and runs off. Is I was I was reading some of the analysis where they said that yeah they were really after a premium and there's a um a whole lot of other things that happened and yeah it was so interesting to read that they said any valuation above what Spark we were going to do was well overvalued and. Nope. Seems like Vodafone saw that there was good value in it, and so that's what they've got in. And I'm always interested in these deals too, where Vodafone has purchased seventy percent, but they've also guaranteed that they can purchase that last thirty percent for a fixed price within three years. Like, 
you know, you, you, I don't think you ever learn about this sort of stuff when you're doing in business school or if you're doing a degree. You don't learn like you a, a takeover bit is you just you offer a price, the shareholders agree on it, and it's a takeover. It's never this sort of complicated. So I always find these sort of things fascinating when it's there's an option buy most of it now, but you've also got the option to buy the rest later on, and you don't open yourself up to um, it going up in price because you've already agreed on what the price will be now. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> It's some, some clever one. accountant uh, is sitting there and has come up with it and says, like, this is a great deal and away they're going. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, we had, um, we had a message come in through on uh, Facebook and the question was from, uh, from Todd and he was wondering, would, would knowing um, what the, uh, the terrorist was uh, messaging uh, five minutes before this incident make a difference my pick is yeah five minutes before very unlikely um but i would imagine that he'd been using whatsapp for some time prior and so if and i understand this was a guy who was on some sort of a watch list so if the authorities had been able to track all of his messages and see what was going on backwards and forwards um then hey maybe but but we don't know right you don't you don't know unless you get in there um but it's Hey, it's a it's a possibility in in this case. Uh, there's there's a yeah, I guess there's a real um, there's a real possibility that that maybe he would have shared something they could have picked up on and, and got a bit of an idea on this uh, if he wasn't uh, if he wasn't operating alone. Which yeah. there, there seems to be some discussion or debate around whether he was operating alone or not, or with the support of um, ISIL and so on. Um, yeah, so that there's all sorts of uh, and always interesting things going on within the um, the telecommunications area, I guess for for New Zealand, and um, you know the outcomes of of these things can make quite a difference to both consumers and business in terms of um, you know what we end up with in services and how competitive things are and uh, um, so on. Um, there's all there was also some uh, discussion that. Uh, the CEO at Vodafone uh, New Zealand has been highlighting that uh, that regulators in New Zealand, the government needs to start uh, start gearing up for uh, 5G uh, mobile uh, connectivity, which is um, expected to be um, to be arriving. Uh, potentially as soon as uh, as 2020, we hear about in some countries where they've uh, they've certainly uh, gone a reasonably way down the track with testing it. But there's still a lot of work to be done till uh, the standards and so on are settled for uh, for 5G. And at the moment, we we're getting um, we get some sometimes some pretty reasonable performance out of our 4G mobile networks, and uh, we've got a bit of uh, 4.5G uh, mobile going on there as well. Um, I th- yeah, I think we do probably see quite variable speeds on uh, on the 4G networks, and and that's one of the areas I think people are excited about. Uh, that we'll see much faster um, speeds ultimately on uh, on 5G mobile networks, and uh, more than likely much big data caps than the uh, the that shocking would, little uh, data caps that we have at the moment. That right? would be nice. Yeah. Um, so if anybody is enjoying watching uh, the 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 live stream or the Facebook stream after the um, after the fact on their mobile device, um, 
I hope you're either on Wi-Fi or you've got um, you've got a reasonable chunk of data because these these using video some, using someone else's data. Or using somebody else's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now on to Samsung. Samsung have um, have released some some official details on the Samsung Note Seven devices. Now, these were the ones that were all pulled off the market uh, last year due I think to... It, uh, this was the first mobile too that... Well, and I can't remember a mobile where they've not only recalled it, but all the telcos have actually blacklisted the IMSIs, the unique numbers on the phone. So even if you've got one and you're like, look, I really like it, my one's not going to explode. You can't it's put a SIM in it. You can't well, certainly not it in New Zealand. And they've, they've done different things in different in different markets to uh, uh, to to make the phone not much use. So the very large majority of them have been uh, have been returned now. Um, but what what we have heard is that they they're going to actually re-release the Note Seven um, apparently as refurbished or rental phones. Um, so you, after all this time. One? Well, if, I, if, they've, if they've actually figured out the battery details, which you can imagine, um, but didn't they have a few hits when the when the when all this came out, where the the the, the batteries were exploding? Didn't they roll out a firmware or they did the change? Look, like, look, we think we fixed it, and then a whole lot more videos of people like, no, you haven't. It's it's still. Uh, a bomb. Well, there were two different battery issues, so yeah. uh, you would think now that they could uh, release some batteries that are okay and um, and yeah, put put them back on the market. So maybe that will be be part of uh, will be in some way tied in to the uh, Galaxy S8 announcement that's coming this week. Uh, my personal pick is that they would they would be nuts to uh, to tie those two together, um, but it is interesting. Interesting. Um, Information. Well, I guess they've released that information officially now, kind of ahead of the the um, the the S eight and um, and S eight plus uh, launch. But there, there's been you know phone uh, a lot of details leaked ahead of the launch of um, of this, and and the S eight really is the um, the the new uh, flagship for Samsung. Um, with the optional, the, the photos mode. look really good. Well, hopefully, it, hopefully it doesn't ex- explode. There's and a setting in the firmware where you can flick <laughs> on and off. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I think after what's happened, if they haven't got this solved and nailed, um, then it would sink them right. <laughs> if if they had ongoing issues, so I would yeah. say that they've uh, they've invested probably more than any other company in history at making sure that these phones are yeah. uh, are pretty safe. Uh, let's hope so. So S8, lots of details have been um, leaked. We know that the uh, the fingerprint sensor has moved from a button on the front to being on the rear of the device. Um, so basically you've got a, a screen that covers the very large majority of the handset. It looks uh, looks really stunning. Uh, very high definition uh, screen, a Super AMOLED display, uh, nearly 3,000 pixels by uh, 1440, 2960 by 1440, uh, we're told. Um, expandable uh, storage, but 64 gigs worth of, uh, worth of base storage. Um, the Snapdragon 835 processor uh, will be what launches in the US, although we, we, we see a... Um, uh, a different processor outside of the US, which is common for Samsung to release the the cutting edge in the US and and, and give us something slightly degraded elsewhere. Um, but all the other features look really good, and um, you know, water and, and dust resistance and and so on. Um, but the two different variations, having an S8 and an S8 Plus, um, they're sort of following a little bit in Apple's footsteps there, aren't they? And, and having the having the model with a Plus, and I it's guess they needed on. to have a variation uh, here because 
their you know their other large phone was was the Note, which of course is no longer on the market and uh, likely some months away from what uh, what we're hearing before that launches. So having uh, having this available on two sizes probably makes quite a bit of sense for them. I think it's also very familiar that if if they're trying to pull people across from the Apple ecosystem, I think it makes a lot more sense that you sort of mimic you know what the competition's doing so that when people swap across and oh hold on no that's a samsung oh if you want to go for the bigger screen it's the note which is completely different range i think yeah trying to keep them closely paired is probably a good move yeah yeah um 12 megapixel uh, camera looks like you know very nice uh, very nice camera again from samsung they they did very well last year with uh, with both the uh, galaxy s7 and the note 7 in terms of the cameras they were really good um, and yeah, it looks like they're uh, um, they're they're working to uh, to deliver you know even a step up on uh, on what they had last year, uh, which would be expected. They always try and better themselves there. Um, yeah, 4K video recording and optical Im- image stabilization, um, and uh, if um, stop 1.7 aperture so it's all it's all sounding pretty good uh we'll find out over the well this week um i think we're just uh, a day or two away from uh, a couple of days away from from actually getting that info um officially um i mean some of that is already being um uh, being made available um under non-disclosure agreements and so on but of course those non-disclosure agreements don't mean much when this stuff's already floating well, it's already out and about. All, all, over the, uh, all over the net. But uh, um, I'm looking forward to it. It looks like uh, Samsung have some good, good stuff uh, up their sleeves there. How are you feeling about this? Because you've, uh, you've, you you, you've used Samsung a lot. Uh, you're a big fan of uh, an- Android uh, phones in, in general. Do you think yeah. you'll, be, uh, you'll be lining up to get back on the Samsung uh, wagon? Or are you looking out for the next Huawei? What's your, uh, probably, what's your thought? The, probably the Pixel, I think. But it's just the price point that they're sitting at at the moment is just horrendous. As you were talking, I was just actually looking at it, which reminded me, you know, like $1,700, which is just... Nah, it's crazy. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with my uh, Nexus, but yeah, it's probably up for a renewal in the next sort of six or six or so months. So hopefully the picks will come down in price. I haven't been on Samsung for actually a long time. Yeah, and we've got Huawei uh, with the their, their, their P10, oh, sorry, P10. P10 is yeah. about to launch as well. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's lots of products coming through, lot, lots of choice, uh, depending on what sort of price points and yeah. what capabilities you want and uh, which vendor you're, uh, you're happiest with. So, um, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's a pretty good market at the moment in, in terms of uh, choices. We've got uh, Oppo that have, uh, have just launched uh, right, here in yeah. New Zealand. Uh, as well, uh, Sony got new handsets uh, coming through, so um, lots, lots and lots going on. Lots of lots of um, uh, competition is not a not a bad thing. No. But uh, Samsung, I think Samsung and Apple are going to continue to do pretty well for uh, for a long time because they're releasing uh, they're releasing good you know good product. And I think with, when you've got so much range, it also gives your consumers a range too, so that you know if you want a, a smaller form factor, you can. But if you really want a big sort of phablet, you can also do that as well. Like you've got the option to choose what fits. For example, I've, my Nexus is being repaired, so I'm back on a normal normal size phone, which is driving me mad. Um, so I really like the bigger form factor. Whereas I know you um, on the Nexus six P. Yeah, on my uh, Nexus six P. Oh, that's the Huawei built um, um, Google uh, Nexus Google phones, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so but i know of other people who've got the nexus 6 pur who are really unhappy that it's just it, the phone's just too big but yeah having gone back to a smaller phone i'm back on the, the huawei p8 it's it's mental i need a bigger phone so mm, mm. at least with all the competition that's out there you can pick the phone that, that best fits what yep. you're after and you've also got the um uh lg um g6 which is a um is a is a pretty cool phone i was having a look at it the other day um and that's got a um what are they calling it nine by 18 sort of screen so you're basically you know two to one so it's a very uh very wide screen or or a tall screen and um that actually seems to seems to work really well. So you've got the uh, the navigation comes in the screen into the the screen. So you don't have separate navigation buttons, um, and yeah, it's just it's a form factor that looks uh, looks very nice and very practical. And and it, you know it's another phone where more of the um, more of the form factor is being filled up by the screen, which yeah. is again what we're seeing from uh, from Samsung here. Uh, as well, so um, yeah, lots of lots of good innovation and um, you know constant improvement in the in the mobile phones. I mean, we're not seeing massive reinventions these days, but uh, you know, nice little little tweaks and improvements with uh, with each new generation. Mm. All right, well, I think that's us for this week, Nate. Was there anything else you wanted to? Uh, Did you want to quickly to slide in about UFB? Because uh, I've just got UFB, so I'm sitting yep. here on my high horse, going, it is actually. Very difficult to get because I'm uh, in a. I think they're called a multi-tenanted dwelling. Which oh yes, means that you've jumped through the hoops I've to uh, to had, get it. I've got uh, where I live. There's we've got another nine uh, places behind us, and I think I applied back in January last year to get fibre, and I only just got it a couple of months ago because Chorus has the the policy that if you're wanting to get fibre and you're in such a big um, group is that it's all or nothing so they won't come in and do you know units one five and nine everyone's got to agree and because all my landlords couldn't. well that's not that's not really chorus's issue that's been you know have the oh how, yeah 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 you know legal, um, illegal thing at this and point. I, I understand why they're doing it like it, it makes far more sense to, to to get them all done at the same time but the other landlords that we've got now our group are just completely hopeless and so it took a long time to get it but you but got it done finally got it done um yeah, and it's, it's fantastic. So it is really yeah, good. Yeah. So what's well, the drama? Well, is that you're well, with it? Well, I've got, we've got to have a shared driveway. Um, so I, I just pushed off a text message. You know, we let, we let Chorus know what you know that we we wanted to go ahead, or we let the telco uh, know. And uh, so are you that, with the so shared that, driveway. Are you yeah. are you so, the, so they have the front to, or at the back? We're at the back. So so um, the people at the front also have to agree. Yeah, so so they they had to agree. They didn't have to agree to have it, you know, no. to to that they're going to install it, but just that they're, you know, they're saying, yep, that that's okay. So there's there's consent um, because it is is shared. Uh, in our case, we get an overhead connection, and that's what caused a few issues with uh, with the chorus installer. So they're not tunneling it. Uh, we've we've already got overhead, so oh, usually okay. they'll replace like for like. So yeah. if you've got underground, then they'll it's go going underground. underground. If it's over the top, they'll it's go. Going. You know, and in my case, there's trees and all sorts of things, and so that that somewhat worried me. So initially, I said, look. Is it look? It's, this is crazy putting it in this way because you know it's cutting through trees, and you know we've had the other the other one break on on a couple of occasions. So it's like that's that's not ideal. Yep. Um, but it's just sounded like a huge drama to go with underground. So um, I told them, well, just just go, you know, just go ahead and just install it. You know, I don't want to muck around. Let's get this done. Mm. And I said, here's my wife's number. I'm I'm going to be overseas. I'm I'm travelling most of the next. Uh, uh, few weeks 
and yeah when I checked in with her she hadn't heard anything and so when I got back I sort of chased up and uh, it seemed like uh, one of the chorus contractors had on the day that they called me or the, the last day that they came in for a visit and I was saying hey look into these other options they they um, it sounds like they didn't want to negatively impact their um performance indicators with um either with their their employer who's a contracted a chorus or with chorus mm. directly and so if they didn't complete the job that day as they were supposed to um this is my pick on it and i'm sure i've got a little bit wrong but it sort of came it's across of as if mark. they didn't complete it that day it's going to be a negative against them or it's going to show up that they're taking too long to do uh to do it and so they told me that they had put it on hold pending and I said no no don't put it on hold just we will done. just go ahead with a quick option take it off hold get the job done I'll be away Leo's with my wife let's do it and uh, unfortunately that didn't happen so uh, so I've, I've just pushed the button and I you know got back to chorus uh, I, I messaged the installers and texted them and uh, yeah they were um, of um um, no use whatsoever, basically. So I, you know, I got back to Chorus and I got back to uh, uh, Vodafone, uh, who's a telco in this case for this particular um, install, and um, um, and let them know that look, there seems to have been a bit of a mix up, and uh, and they you know sort of got straight onto it. So uh, so have you got fibre? So apparently it will be coming by the end of next week. So uh, I'll be back in a fibre land as as I have been in two other uh, living locations before. I've had fibre and it's. Uh, even though we've got reasonably fast VDSL, once you get used to fibre, you yeah. really want to be back you can't on fibre. Yeah, yeah, it is the dream. All right, well that's us for uh, this week. Thank you everybody for listening in, and uh, for those who watched uh, watched us on Facebook Live. Hey, um, thank you for, uh, for for joining in as well. Uh, it was fun to uh, to get a um, a couple of uh, comments through on the. Um, on the stream as well uh, we will be back again next week now if you want to keep in touch with my updates uh, they're a little bit slow coming at the moment um, but they will be coming more regularly soon and you can get on that email list uh, by going to my website paulspain.com and uh, you'll see the uh, the email newsletter there and uh, we do um, giveaways and, and, and bits and pieces uh, starting to come through uh, on that channel and my updates on, on tech and, and business and and other such things. Uh, you can also track me down uh, facebook.com slash Paul Spain or Paul Spain on Twitter. Nate, you're easy to get hold of, aren't just you? Nate, like Nate, Kate, but with an N, N-A-T. On Twitter. Yep. yep. So just that's there. Your, that's or, your place for your updates and you, yep. you uh, keeping up with any blogging uh, lately? Uh, I've done a little bit of blog. I Actually, a really good one to look at is um, I've got a cafe one. So cafeowner.co.nz. I Excellent. try to blog every couple of weeks um, about the challenges of owning and running a cafe. So and there's a bit of bit of sort of technical angle in there yeah, as well. Yeah, there's a lot so of tech you know, stuff about it. So it's more, perspectives more and so techy on stuff too. than food stuff. So yeah. yeah, jump on. That's excellent. All right. Always good to catch up. Thank you, Nate. And thanks, thanks everybody, for, uh, for listening in uh, once again. We'll be back here next week. And uh, just a reminder, new podcasts have just launched on worldpodcast.com. We've got Stupid Questions for Scientists uh, with Michelle Dickinson and uh, the cream of the crop of New Zealand scientists and comedians. Uh, we're up to our sep- second episode there. Uh, that has already jumped to be the uh, the number one um, 
uh, science uh, podcast in New Zealand and has been right up uh, very close to the top of the iTunes charts in New Zealand. I think number two uh, when I uh, when I was looking the other day uh, in New Zealand. And so uh, you know, jump on, have a listen to that. Uh, the other one is Pauline Stockhausen's uh, new podcast with us, which is the Social Media Strategy Podcast. Uh, that's also been uh, on the charts on uh, on iTunes. And uh, one more, we're getting uh, been getting quite a lot of uh, attention is the New Zealand business podcast uh, just because we've had some great guests a number of people from the tech industry uh, on there that have been interviewed along with uh, along with a bunch of a bunch of others that are uh, that are pretty well known including Sir Michael Hill uh, recently so that's uh, that's a podcast that's just moved from being an irregular podcast to uh, to coming out uh, pretty much every week now so um, so that's one worth listening to as well the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.